Welcome to the Tech of Business show. I'm your host, Jamie Slutsky. And on this show, we are exposing the technology that runs growing and thriving businesses today. From smart and innovative to nuts and bolts, there is no tech stone unturned. Now it's time to talk tech and let's get into today's episode. This is the Tech of Business podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Slutsky, and today I have with me Betsy Furler. Betsy is an expert. There is no other way to describe her. She leverages 25 years of experience as a speech pathologist working with older adults and people with a wide range of disabilities and ages. She uses it in everything she does. Betsy is a cognitive accessibility consultant and developer of usable and accessible digital products. Or in other words, she makes sure that apps actually do what they're supposed to do for the people that they're supposed to do them for. She is an app lover and host of the Your App Lady podcast, just to name a few of her talents. Betsy is passionate about working with organizations to develop better tech products to improve the lives of users. And she is famously quoted saying, a product that works for your weakest user is a fantastic product for all of your users. And with that, let's welcome Betsy Furler to the Tech of Business podcast. Hi, Jamie, how are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out with me on the podcast today. Oh, thank you for having me, I'm excited. Yeah, absolutely. You and I met uh, officially in 2017. And at that time, you were just getting ready to launch the Your App Lady podcast. And you had already fallen head over heels in love with apps in business and in personal productivity and in family life and all of that fun stuff. So let's kind of start with where did this love of apps come from? Well, it started about, I don't know, whenever the iPod Touch came out, that was the beginning of my love of technology in general. I really wasn't a tech person before that. I had some tech things here and there. I had a Palm Pilot. I um, had pagers and I had a cell phone fairly early in the evolution of of cell phone use. But um, when the iPod Touch came out, I saw the commercial for it and I was so fascinated by especially the gyroscope feature where you can you know turn the iPod touch and now the phone and and things will move on it so the first commercial had actually a game app that they were showing how you could move the the device and play the game so my immediate thought was oh my goodness this is going to be perfect for my adult patients who have had a stroke or dementia or had Parkinson's or other um, types of ALS, other types of disabilities where they couldn't speak anymore. Up until that point, if someone was unable to speak, we would order a very expensive device, about $10,000 device, and we would get it and we would see if they were able to touch the buttons and, and use it for speech. So when the iPod Touch came out, I immediately thought, oh my goodness, now at least I have something that's a touchscreen device that I can see, you know, can they isolate a finger? Can they actually touch something on command? Mm -hmm. So super excited. So I ran out and got one and I started using it with my adult patients. At the time I was working as a speech therapist with both adults 
or geriatric patients and children. I discovered that with children, iPod Touch wasn't that good because it was too small. So they kind of, you kind of locked them in it. You know, they, they got it and they were so fascinated that their head was now down on the device and I was no longer, uh, you know, an important, <laughs> an important person in the room. So I used it exclusively with geriatric patients. Um, and then when the iPad came out, I was super excited, but I was like, I'm not getting one yet. Um, at this point, I was using a BlackBerry and a PC and one of my patients, moms got him an iPad. So we started using it in therapy within probably six weeks. I had my own iPad <laughs> and, and it was off to the races after that. Um, my patient's mom actually started an organization called Bridging Apps. It's a nonprofit that works with people with disabilities and mobile devices. So that was kind of the beginning of it. And then I just took it from um, using apps with people with special needs to using apps with everyone to becoming almost entirely paperless. I think it's impossible to be paperless, but I started using it for using iPads for everything. I also quickly got an iPhone and a Mac and now I have three iPads that I use on a regular basis oh, wow. and I travel with no computer um, because I do everything on my iPads. I even do all of my podcasts completely without a computer. Um, so yeah, I'm obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you sound like the exact right person for me to have on this podcast to help other business owners learn to embrace technology and embrace apps and just bring on something new. And that's really one of the big things with the podcast is I want to be able to bring on and expose new ideas and new concepts. So, you know, one of the things that you mentioned was these apps that are being able to be used for special populations. Are these apps that are designed for uh, the general population and then people like you find a specific use or subset for uh, the special population or are they more built for special populations? Most of the apps I like are built for the general population. And what I've discovered, like you said in my intro, if someone develops an app or a piece of software or a website, keeping in mind the user that's going to have the most difficulty with that product, then it's going to be fantastic for everyone. So most of the apps that I recommend for people with special needs or typical people or business people are the same. I like apps that, and, and software that works really, really well. And I'm also a cognitive accessibility consultant, and I like to look at devices or look at apps and other digital products and think about if I was super tired, would this work for me? Um, you know, for some people, it's because I ha they hadn't had their coffee yet that day, or they're sick, or they had a head injury. There's so many things that cause us to have really typical people to have cognitive disabilities on really a daily basis, that it's really important to me that a product is really good. So that's what I do with my consulting business, but how it affects your audience is that everybody's had the experience of trying out a new piece of software, trying out an app, and they have heard great things about it, and they open it up, and they think, I don't know how to do this. 
this is so confusing to me. It must be me. I'm just not good at technology. Oh, I hear that all <laughs> the time. You know, I I was just uh, recently on vacation with my family, and I went in to um, grab my parents' camera and take. I took the flash drive out, you know, just the SD card out, and put it in my computer to take all of their pictures off. And my mom looks at me and she's like, "I don't know what you're doing. Don't get rid of my pictures." And she <laughs> just yeah. had such a fundamental block in her own mind that. I was going to do something. I mean, she knows me. I've been her daughter for, you know, 40 years and she knows I love technology and that I'm not going to damage her stuff. But she always has this fear that things are just not going to work the way that they're supposed to and doesn't necessarily understand. And so it's really nice to hear that it's not necessarily you as the user or as the business owner evaluating a piece of software, it could actually be the piece of software. And, right. you know, I mean, right. going back to that example of the SD card, you, there are much better ways to help someone who has a lower barrier, you know, a lower comfort level and get those pictures off the SD card. I just go from a higher level and that's kind of what happens. But I'd love to kind of um, ask you a little bit about how you evaluate software and so that you can figure out, okay, is it me or is it the software? Well, um, to go to back up just a bit, and then I'll answer your question. Um, I wanted to give the example of Trello and Asana. So probably a lot of people in your audience have at least heard of these yes. um, productivity tools. So I love Trello. I use Trello. Um, so many people love Asana. And it doesn't really mean there's anything wrong or one's better than the other. It's kind of how your brain works. So that's another thing I want people to keep in mind when they're looking at different pieces of software or apps is, it, it may just not work for you, even though it's a good, even though it's a good tool. Yes. Um, so back to your question. So what I do is my first, when I first look at something, I immediately look at the graphics. I feel like we're in 2018 and there's no reason to not have excellent graphics on a piece of software. I think great graphics usually point to the fact that the developer was careful and interested in making a good product. So I look at, I look for great graphics. That's one of the first things I look at. I also look at font size and the amount of text that's on in the product. I think less text is better. None of us have the attention span anymore to read through paragraphs of information. And you would not believe how many products I look at that have paragraphs of directions rather than a bullet point where, you know, it truly could be displayed as bullet points. And yet they have paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs of text. Right. That's very hard for people to go through, even people with great reading skills. Um, uh, so I look for, you know, the how it looks, basically, the graphics, how it looks. Is it confusing to the eye? Do you open it up and understand what it's doing? So on for websites, a lot of the WordPress templates especially have um, that you'll have a photo and then it's like, quote unquote, below the fold. So when you think of an old newspaper, mm -hmm. so you can't tell what that website's about when you open it up. And 
I had evaluated someone's website and then I went to mine and I'm like, oh my goodness, my template has changed as well. And now mine's the same way. Um, so those are some um, things you can look at to evaluate, you know, other people's products as well as your own. Um, you can also, you want to look at font size and color. You don't want color to ever portray all of the meaning. So say you, there's a start button. You can have it green, but it shouldn't just be a green button because if someone's colorblind or, you know, it may just not be intuitive to some people. Um, you also don't want to rely, you don't want to rely totally on one mode of communication. You want, don't want the, the product to rely totally on one mode of communication. So when I'm evaluating a product, I'm looking at, does it, are you able to intuitively use the product, you know, without having to read aloud or without having to watch a video or, but are those things there for you as well? You want something with a lot of, when you're choosing a, a product as an owner of a business or a, a employee of a business, you want to look at something also that has a lot of support, that has frequently asked questions, that has some way to contact the company in case you run into a big issue. And we used to not have those issues, you know, those support issues, but <clears throat> excuse me, now as more and more things are online, you want to make sure you can actually contact some a real live person in case you're using a tool and all of a sudden it swallows all your data and you don't know where it went. <laughs> uh, Let's not so go there. <laughs> yeah. So those are kind of some of, those are kind of some of the things I look at when I'm first evaluating something. Yeah, no, I, you've, you've gone, you know, in so many different directions. And, you know, one of the things that you called out was the, using the color alone or using just one modality or one format alone. Immediately, I thought of the welcome screen on a few different pieces of software and on a few different apps where they might have a blue button that is the help button and a green button that is the go button, which is generally... The, the colors that are common these days. But then you'll jump into another app that was developed by somebody who wanted to stand out and they may not use uh -huh. those standard colors. So I think that also making sure that as you're going through it, that you evaluate what is there and not what's lacking. I don't know if you, what you think about that. Definitely. And you also don't want to get too creative. You know, that's, it's one thing to be creative and have a great product, but sometimes you see things that are way too creative and it starts affecting the usability. And a really simple example of that are doors. So you'll see a door and they have this handle on it for, um, you know, decoration, but it's a push door with a pull handle. <laughs> and it's very confusing. You know, you think you should not have to have directions on how to open the door but yeah think of how many doors you see every day that have to have a sign on it that says pull or push you um, yeah you are absolutely right i can i picture a few places nearby in town and i'm sure a lot of our listeners are also like oh yeah i noticed that at that office building or i noticed that at you know that that mall or whatever it might be so that's really a great way of bringing it back to what's normal and common in our space right. 
And that's one of the things that I love to do with technology is to just bring it back. And so, yes, this is maybe new for you, maybe looking at something that you've never thought about looking at before, but there's always ways to relate it back to what is normal and comfortable. Right, right. And I also really like to tell people that I'm doing trainings with on using technology that these are tools. So think of it as a tool. Don't think of it as something magical or intimidating. It's just a tool. And if that tool doesn't work for you, feel free to look at other things. And frequently it is that website doesn't work for you because it's not a good website. That's, it's not a highly usable website. Um, or it, like with the Trella and Asana example, it may just not work for your brain may not be intuitive to your brain. Yeah. Um, so I, I really try to empower people to think of it as a tool and be confident that if it doesn't work for your, you, it's okay. You're okay. <laughs> you might be able to find a tool that's so much better for your brain. You know, and I always say, you know, it's not you, it's them. Um, when people have problems yeah, a website or an app or a piece of software. Yeah. And I think that that also goes into a lot of the reasons why when, you know, somebody in the IT department is evaluating software, they may not be the best person to evaluate the software for the CFO, the, you know, for example, right. because the right. CFO has a different skill set. And I think that that's one of the things that you and I have very similar outlooks on is that it has to be the right fit for the person who's actually using it. Correct. Yes. yes. And usually IT people don't think the same way the rest of us think. So <laughs> it, it's usually, like you said, an IT person is probably not <clears throat> the best person. Excuse me. <clears throat> do evaluate software for the rest of the rest of the company. Right, exactly. You know, what I find so fascinating about you and, you know, and where you've kind of taken your trajectory is that you, you, you said it, you know, a few minutes ago, you were not on the, you know, the front end of technology a number of years ago. And this is just something that you've brought in. And I love how you're bringing that real, honest to goodness, true person who didn't grow up as a techie like me in and exposing what, how apps and how technology and how websites can work for other people. And I know that with your podcast, you're doing a lot of that. And I kind of wanted to switch us over to talking about what you do in your podcast that will help business owners make some good decisions or, um, or evaluate things for for their business going forward, whether it's, you know, di different ways of evaluating apps, whether it's you've got your tried and true that have gone through every different type of business. I'm not sure exactly where we're going with this, other than the fact that I think you've got some amazing content on your podcast. And I wanted to showcase how that podcast could be beneficial for our listeners. Awesome. So my podcast is called Your App Lady. And I feel like my life purpose is to make people comfortable with technology and to get the max use from technology so it actually enhances their lives instead of frustrating them. So my podcast is 
is all about that. So I do a little tech tip or a little bit of tech news at the beginning because my goal is to help people feel really comfortable with technology and kind of demystify it. And then I always feature an app. And then at the end, I do a little tech tip, like how can you use your phone or whatever devices you're using to improve your life? Um, the apps I, I talk about, I, what I do is I talk about um, what devices are available on, obviously, and how you can use them to improve your life and how I use them. And I, have, I run the gamut of apps for little tiny children to apps for productivity. I talk a lot about, I, I am also obsessed with productivity. So I talk a lot about apps for productivity. I talk about apps for real life, using an app to help you, you know, pick out your favorite, your bottle of wine or to find a brew pub, you know, apps about everything. And, and I try to make it very digestible and it's very short. My episodes are about 10 to 12 minutes long usually. And it's just to make people super comfortable with using technology because I really want people to love it as much as I do. Yeah. And so are the apps that you evaluate sometimes only ones that you say, this is a great app if you are using it on your phone, but don't bother using it on these other devices? Or are you looking to to kind of level the playing field and say, this is just a great app across all platforms and you're going to be able to use it in different ways? I, I kind of do both. Some of Sometimes I'll bring up, I'll talk about a tool or an app that um, might be great in a limited use because there are some things that are like, this is fantastic for this one use, but don't try to use it for this other thing that they're advertising it for because it's going to frustrate you, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I try to make it very realistic and very usable information. I like that. I like that a lot because again, I mean, I'm, we're talking to business owners who don't have a whole lot of time to necessarily evaluate 14 different products that all claim to do the same thing. But if they're able to listen to or look at your show notes for a specific on a specific app and you're like, this is the gets 10 out of 10 on this one feature and it gets a four out of 10 on this feature. And that person or that business is looking to do something that you gave them a 10 out of 10, then they're done. They, they realize that they're using it in this limited, they're going to be able to use it in this limited capacity. I like that. I really think that that adds um, confidence and comfort with people working with you. And I mean, speaking of working with you, what ways do you offer services in this app consulting and this technology consulting type role? So I do a few different things. It's all around, you know, technology, bettering people's lives. I do cognitive accessibility consulting with um, anybody who has any company or individual who has an app or a website or a um, piece of software. I go in and can look at it and say, you know, you need to tweak these things or even better get in on the ground floor when they're developing it so we can actually build it so it's highly accessible and usable. I also have a team that I can actually build a website piece of software or app for a company. I do the cognitive accessibility part. I have a team member who does the vision and hearing accessibility and then developers who work under me to do that. 
And then I also do a lot of training as far as training people within a company, individuals, schools, anybody who can who is using technology to better their lives or or needs to use technology to better their lives. I do um, group and individual training as well as speaking engagements on those issues. And I also love to just come into a business and say, um, let's see what your systems are and how can you improve those systems and how can you use technology and especially different apps to improve your systems. You see, there's nothing that Betsy can't do. <laughs> uh, so Betsy, I want to wrap things up here. I have one final question for you. And then after that, I'd love for you to share some links for um, how people can connect with you and learn more about your podcast, learn more about what you offer. But first, the question I've got for you to wrap things up, if your iPad were to go away tomorrow. I know you'd cry and you'd yell and scream, <laughs> but if it were to go away tomorrow, what one thing would you look at doing next? From a business perspective? Yes. Professional perspective? Yes. I would probably look at doing productivity consulting because like I said earlier, I'm obsessed with productivity and I do have a bullet journal as well. Um, <laughs> So I, I think that's where I would go next. I would go into productivity and business um, consulting. Very cool. Very cool. And how can everybody connect with the amazing Betsy? I am on um, Twitter and LinkedIn at Betsy Furler, and it's B-E-T-S-Y and then F-U-R-L-E-R. -E I also am on Instagram as Your App Lady. And my podcast is Your App Lady, and I, it's definitely available on like Stitcher and the podcast app, and I believe most of the other podcast, you know, apps that you listen to podcasts from, and that's Your App Lady. My website for that is www.youraplady.com, and my consulting website is www.betsyfurler.com. Very, very good. I mean, I know that there are so much that you can offer and I am thrilled that you were able to come and uh, join me for the Tech of Business podcast today, Betsy. Thank you so, so much. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. .com. Thanks for listening to the Tech of Business podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Overcast, or wherever you download your favorite shows. You can also check out the show notes and learn more about me at techofbusiness.com. I'll see you next week.